Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater and the moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, March seventh, two 2021. The share ID numbers for Friday, March 5th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 16,526. That's 16526. And the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 16,527. That's 16527. This morning, A Vision for You presents Self-Reliance versus God-Reliance. The way we live and manage our own lives brings us to the end of our rope. Our our self-reliant ways and our willful efforts fail us. We are the architects of our own misery. In our self-reliance, our ego drives us to attempt to attain happiness through inherently external remedies by worship of other things, pomp, people, schemes, relationships, status, money, for example. However, external conditions are never the remedy for the internal condition of compulsive overeating and our spiritual malady. We are convinced these things will fulfill us, satisfy us, only to discover through a lot of pain that they don't deliver what they promise. We will determinedly, persistently, unrelentingly wrestle with self-reliance and often refuse to accept its detrimental impact on our lives. As with personal powerlessness, our instincts are naturally resistant to the idea of dependence. It is a symptom of our spiritual illness. We can't very well take center stage and take charge and run the show if we admit to any dependence. We suffer with this juggernaut of self-will and self-reliance, and we suffer and we suffer until we have suffered enough to be willing to look for something better. What is that something better? What is the antidote? What is the solution for people like us? God-reliance. The big book tells us This is the how and why of it. We had to quit playing God. It didn't work. We could no longer insist on having our own way, on trying to run the show, on believing that we are self-reliant, self-sufficient, and always know what's best for ourselves, the world, and everyone else around us. The spiritual life is full of paradox. We saw in step one that strength comes out of admission of weakness. 
and that by accepting powerlessness over food and embarking on the 12-step process, we became the recipients of a power that removed our obsession to compulsively overeat. So it is with God-reliance. Out of right dependence on God comes true independence from the destructive forces in ourselves and in the world that otherwise hold us in bondage. We are taken from the world of self-will and self-reliance to a path of God-reliance. Joining us today to elaborate on this topic of self-reliance versus God-reliance is Julie R., a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Julie's a loyal member of Overeaters Anonymous and is eager to share her experience, strength, and hope with all of us today. Good morning, Julie, and welcome to you. Hi, thank you, Leah, and good morning, everyone. So, yes, Julie R., compulsive overeater, recovered one day at a time from California. Some of you haven't heard me for quite some time, and I think after this talk you'll kind of figure out why you haven't heard me. So, you know, I think before I start talking about self-reliance and God-reliance, I need to, to say why I can qualify to speak at an OA meeting. Well, you know, one thing or two things is that I have, I fit that description that's in the big book and doctor's opinion. I have a, a physical allergy. So anytime that I ingest any of my alcoholic foods, I set up this phenomenon of craving that I eat until it stops. Um, and it's any time that I ingest any of my alcoholic foods, this will happen to me. So um, I was five, well, I still am five two, and my top weight was 302 pounds. So I definitely um, was morbidly obese. Uh, the disease took me to places where I would eat off other people's plates. I would eat out of the garbage. I stole food. I ate frozen foods. I ate boiling foods because I couldn't wait for it to get cooled off. Um, nothing stopped me. So what is physical sobriety for me? Um, it's black and white abstinence today. It's knowing what my alcoholic foods are. It's not ingesting any any of them. I have a food plan. Uh, for me, I need to weigh and measure everything um, because I have a thing with volume. You know, I don't stand up and eat. Um, I don't eat in a car except for my motorhome when I'm not driving. Um, so what is the second component? It's the obsession of the mind. So this is when I don't have any of my alcoholic foods in me, and it could be a week, a month, a day, 10 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. It's that obsession of the mind. And the doctor's opinion is very clear about that. It says that um, he confirms that we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. So that's that two twofold illness that I have. So I definitely can qualify that I am that real compulsive overeater because I don't eat because I'm hungry. I eat because I like that effect produced by food. And again, that's all in the doctor's opinion. And the book has many references of the spiritual malady, right? And what happens to us when we do the step work. We have that spiritual solution becomes um, known to me. And it's only through working the steps and having a, a a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening. So now that I've qualified, 
what do I know about self-reliance versus God-reliance? So I looked up some of the words, you know, what are synonyms for self-reliance? Egoism, self-importance, self-conceit, self-pride, self-absorption, and self-direction. And the last one I kind of cracked up, fend for themselves. You know, because that's what self-reliance is. It's Julie's going to handle it. I don't need any help. I don't even want help. And I forget to ask for help. What is God-reliance? And it was so funny. I, I did a search and I kept on getting the same thing. It means to depend on God's limited resources and abilities to help us in every situation at all times. I mean, that just makes you just stop and take a breath and sigh. So I'm kind of go, I'm going to want to go over what happened to me at about four years of abstinence. So I'm abstinent for a little over a year again, and I was in an off and on relapse for 14 months. So you got to go back and do the math there. Um, so what happened? My prayer and meditation started to shift a bit upon awakening wasn't happening. You know, in the book, it really has clear instructions. It tells us exactly what to do. So I was doing my own upon awakening, which um, really doesn't uh, bode well because that means, once again, I'm trying to control the show. I had um, a lot of commitments. Uh, My nightly review was starting to get really benign, I wasn't selfish. I wasn't dishonest. I didn't have any fear. I don't think I was thinking of myself. And, you know, my sponsor would comment, Julie, you know, your nightly reviews are getting um, yes, no, maybe, nothing really there. And I, you know, I'm very good at evading and, you know, shifting the conversation. And some of you are probably chuckling on the line because you know I do that very well. Um, so my start, my life started to unravel just a little bit at a time. And I love that. And I think it's in the 12 and 12. But when it talks about um, fear is the evil corroding thread, and that's exactly what it is. You know, I just start pulling it a little at a time. <clears throat> so I was working my normal crazy schedule, which that in itself is just the way it is. But I was traveling to New Jersey twice a month. I was doing more, being more. And on page 62, it says selfishness, self-centeredness. That, we think, is the root of our trouble, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity. We step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So a little bit at a time, I started some delusional thinking. And the mind is very powerful. I didn't come out and say, Julie, You're being dishonest with your food. None of that happened to me. You know, I I think I'm a fairly average, intelligent woman, but yet I could not, you know, differentiate that true from the false. So I know it sounds preposterous, but little things like, oh, I'm going to add sugar-free creamer to my coffee. I'll just call it milk. I didn't talk to my nutritionist. I didn't talk to my sponsor because that self-reliance started to come through. I don't need to check this out. I know how many calories it is, whatever. And then, because um, I weigh and measure everything. So you're, you're talking about four years of abstinence here. And um, I told myself that an ounce of cereal 
equates to a measuring cup. Now, mind you, for four years, I have never used a cup. But I told myself it was okay. Delusional thinking, selfishness, all jewelry. So I kind of got really good at this. I could make a mountain on that measuring cup of my cereal. And um, when I got abstinent again, I just wanted to see what that really was. It was like four ounces of cereal. Um, but I got pretty good at, you know, just just living in that denial. Um, and I started drinking soda again. I didn't tell my sponsor. Well, why should I, right? I'm only going to have it once or twice. There's no calories to it. It's no big deal. I started drinking probably two gallons or more of soda a day. I never told my sponsor. Again, I didn't think I was lying. This is like how insidious this disease is. It's taking somebody who had four years of abstinence and I'm doing all of these things. I wasn't abstinent anymore. Um, and I slowly started to gain weight from all these little cheap things I was doing. Um, I wasn't seeking God's direction at all. And again, what is God reliant? Depending on God's limited resources and abilities to help me in every situation. So what else was going on? Well, those of you know know me, know my work schedule. Well, I took on more sponsees. So I think I had up to six calling me every day, working 12 hours a day, traveling, having a husband, having kids, you can see there's not a lot of time for anything else. Um, so self-reliance, I couldn't say no to them, right? They needed help. <laughs> so it's like more ego. And it wasn't like I was like, ha ha, I'm the best. It wasn't any of that. It was like, I need to help. I can't say no if somebody calls me up and asks if I can sponsor them. So of course I was getting a little bit overwhelmed with everything. It's like, you know, when you see those people spinning those plates, well, they were starting to crumble and fall. It's, um, I had way too many balls um, in the air and I started to get resentful. And on page 64, it talks about resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From it stems all forms of spiritual disease. For we have not been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. So I started to, I don't know, fall apart. And when what did that look like for me? It meant that my ego was starting to rebuild, right? It's like, you know, we go through the steps so that we gain humility and we find a dependence we find a power in God to run our life. And I was going backwards in the steps. I was sponsoring way too many people. Step 12, I went too far. Not like Dr. Bob that took, what, 15,000 people to recovery. and No, 5,000 people to a recovery state in 15 years. I, I, was, I was like on steroids. Um, I was doing big book retreats. I was taking small groups through the steps on top of my six sponsees, on top of my work schedule. Um, and, you know, again, I already said, page 62, selfishness, self-centered, that we think is the root of our troubles. 
but that didn't stop me. I know the book. Knowing the book and living the words in my heart and my soul are two totally different things. It goes on to say that self will run riot, though he usually doesn't think so. I didn't think I was doing anything different. I thought I was, you know, doing my spiritual work. I thought I was a good sponsor. I thought I was a good sponsee. I thought I was a good mother, wife, <clears throat> friend, um, etc. But as that ego started to rebuild, I got more resentful. I got more angry, even though I don't think myself that I'm angry and I could push it down, but I started to get so resentful. Um, and it's ugly when I get resentful because those character defects that, you know, God removed from me or reduced them to, quote, unquote, you know, a livable state started to come back. I was starting to um, judge you, judge people in the meetings, judge my employees, judge my peers, judge my family. I started to not want to answer the phone. I just wanted to scream because I, I, I had too much to do. So all of this stuff was going on and I was still, you know, weighing, measuring my food, thinking I was abstinent, but of course I wasn't. And um, I had to go to Germany and that was like, I think October. Yeah. And um, brought my food, done it many times before going to Europe, but not a big deal. On the flight home, um, I get upgraded a lot. And I never eat the food in in, in the premium classes or whatever. Um, the flight attendant walked by and asked me if I would like X, Y, and Z. And I said, oh, no, I have my own food. I started to eat all of my own food, telling myself, I'm not going to think about this. And once I did that, you know, because volume is my thing, even though it was abstinent food, I ate, like, all my snacks for the flight. And um, so I had awoken that craving, that physical craving that I had to have more. And when the flight attendant came back, I said, oh, I'll, I've changed my mind. I'm going to have whatever. And she brought it and I ate it. And all I could think about, oh my God, here I am. I'm tr like a trapped animal. And the cravings are like taking over. I mean, I am just clawing inside. And when they had the dessert, I had it. And then another flight attendant walked by. I got another one. Then I went in the back and I bought M&Ms and all this other stuff. And they must have thought, what is wrong with this girl? Because I looked okay. I, was, I had gained some weight, like 12 pounds, but I was still like a size 10. And I was going crazy. So we landed in Chicago, and I ate, and I ate, and I purged. I had not purged for at least six years. And then I ate again. And then I bought more stuff for the rest of the flight to California. Thank God 
for our fellowship because I didn't leave. And um, I had to get a new sponsor because when I came clean, when I finally realized that it was all of this dishonesty I was living in. Um, And so for 14 months, I did this game where I would get a new sponsor and I'd start working the steps and um, eat. So on page 62, you know, it's got some of my favorite things. God was going to be my director, my principal. I'm going to be the agent. I'm going to be the child. I wasn't doing that. I still wasn't doing that. I was abstinent, but kind of like in that story in the big book when it talks about when he comes out of the cellar, ain't it grand that the wind stopped blowing, but that everything else is decimated? That's how I was still living. I still had tons of sponsees. I was still traveling all the time. I was still doing all of the things that I was doing before. I wasn't white knuckling in it. Thank God that, you know, I, I was free from the, the physical cravings and the obsession of the mind until I wasn't. It was like that selfishness to start. It never went away. So, you know, I wanted to help people. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And, uh, you know, my fears is, what does it say? I think it's 75. Our fears, our fears will fall from us. Well, mine didn't. Mine started to build. You know, what happens if I don't get this project done at work? What is my boss going to say? Um, and then I would get resentful. I have too much work. My sponsees aren't doing what I want them to do. I'm just so tired of everything. And then I started being more direct at work, more aggressive. You know, I can get away with that with my job function, but that's not how I want to be. I, was, I started to become more like a, um, a little dictator. And then when all of those things, like those plates again, were all spinning and they started to slow down and one fell. So I did that again. And what, what do I have to do when my life is a pressure cooker? The big book says that we eat for ease and comfort. I had to let the steam blow. It's like when we use a pressure cooker at home for dinner. That's how it was. It just gets this high fever pitch. And then it blows. And then I can start again. And it's like, you know, I look at that and it's like, God, my life gets so crazy, so self-centered, full of um, ego. Nobody can do it as good as me at work. Oh, blah, blah, blah. And then I eat. So this happened for 14 months. Get abstinent for a week, a month, two months, eat. Get abstinent for four months, eat. Got abstinent for six months, and I ate. Um, so it says we're having trouble with personal relationships. That's one of the bedevilments on page 52. <laughs> I wasn't calling people back. Relationships that I've had for 40 years, I would break engagements. Oh, no, I can't do it. I'm too busy. I wasn't asking God for help. Again, it was the Julie show. Uh, On page 83, we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellow. Self-seeking will slip away. Well, that wasn't happening. You know, I started getting into um, my son's business. And those of you who know my little angel, Connor, right, tends to get in trouble. So I'm spying on his app, Snapchat, following him, seeing what he's doing, getting all into everybody. I mean, the control. 
I had to control everything. And so what happens when Julie controls things? I create chaos. I micromanage. I get everybody up in arms. They're trying to follow my direction. This is at work. Where is Julie coming from? Well, I wasn't coming from a God-centered place. I was coming all from me, 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 me. And we have another promise. We will comprehend the word serenity. We will know peace. We couldn't control our emotional natures. That's what was happening with me. I wasn't getting that promise anymore. Those were out the window. I was living in all of those bedevilments. You know, my serenity was getting less and less and less until it was like I was just existing. You know, I weighed and measured. I did the things I was supposed to do, but it was like a check mark. I drank my water. I weighed and measured my food. I did this until I picked up because I needed that release again. Um, you know, I wanted to say, um, and this is for Leon, <laughs> it was after the birthday party. I'm absent again for, uh, God, I think it was six months. Um, and the birthday party is in January. I can't remember what day it was. So here I am sitting, waiting to board my plane. I see Leon. He walks by. We wave. Hey, how's it going? Great, great birthday party. And I answer my phone, and it's an OA person. I think I must have had six sponsors already. Julie, I'm in relapse. I need a sponsor. Can you sponsor me? And I knew I should say no. And I said, you know what? I really got to pray about this. Wow. Oh, good. Yay. Julie's going to pray about it. By the time the conversation ended, I had number seven. Did I bring God into it? Well, no. Why would I have done that? Because it wasn't automatic anymore. So then I got a work call. Then something else happened. And I'm still waiting because I'm early for my flight because I have to be early. It's another issue I have. Right across, across the way is, you know, the little kiosk things that they have. I went in there to get a soda. Red flag. Remember I told you I drink a lot of soda. And I started grabbing chocolates to buy. And then here comes Leon again. It's like, are you kidding me? And I, <laughs> I'm, by then I think I was, I'm 61, so I must have been 59. A grown woman is hiding in, in a different aisle so Leon can't see all the bags of crap I have in my hand to buy. So I have six months of abstinence. I just attended the three-day birthday party for OA. And I go back in um, to my gate, and I'm eating like an animal. The food is like falling on the ground. I, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. And I kept on looking over at Leon's gate to so make sure he wasn't watching me. Not that he even probably would, you know, of course he's not watching me. <sighs> So I came home. Once again, what is going on? I can't, I just, this is, I can't do this anymore. And I have been in a way since 1981. So I'm a real compulsive overeater. I already told you why I, I belong and say that I'm a real compulsive overeater. And um, I, am, I think I'm taking a shower. And I said, you know what? Maybe I just need to stop. 
stop going to meetings and just see maybe God has another plan for me. That scared me that I could actually have that kind of thought because my thought life was not centered on God. It was all about me. The fear was running my life. But I wouldn't let people know that I was fearful. I couldn't tell anybody this was going on. And um, it was a very, very horrible part of of my life. Um, You know, they say that we have to hit bottom. We have to be desperate. And I was desperate. And I was exactly what the big book was saying um, on page 84. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect in his large spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. I was way beyond that. I had let up the spiritual program, which is the entire program of action, and I did rest on my laurels. So, you know, I was running just on on selfishness, self-centeredness, and it's like that's where that ego, right, gets to be rebuilt. It gets reconstructed. You know, somebody on this line had said something before that I have to work harder all the time. It's like running up a down escalator. I cannot rest on my laurels. I can't rely on the things that I used to do or that self-knowledge that avails us nothing. I have got to do whatever I have to do to stay alive. And that's, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically. So I had had enough, I think, of taking back my power, right? It was like, I just can't live like that. And that's where that desperation comes. Thank God. Because if I, if I don't have desperation, I am not going to surrender. So my 10th and so let me kind of give a little bit of what was eroding during this time. I kind of shared it about my nightly review and stuff, but I wasn't doing any 10 steps. Now I'm, I do like now I do probably like one a week, but I wasn't doing any at all because, well, why would I need to do that? I'm just going to deal with it and um, it'll be fine. And as I shared before, my 11th step was just bare bones bare bones, no meat to it. And when I had that last thing happen at the birthday party, everything came crashing down. Um, relationships, I mean, I got to see things. I mean, I, even before I started doing the, the step work again, I got to see how I was all, I was living in every one of those bedevilments. The promises were out the window. And my husband could see it. My kids could see it. They would joke around and say, Mom, quit being so controlling. I mean, when Connor came for a visit, it, I plan out everything. And he goes, Mom, just let it go. You're getting worked up over nothing. Um, so after the birthday party, I, so that was, I think it was like the 17th. Harlan would probably know off the top of his head. But on January 28th, I picked up the phone. And I called somebody that I had met at the last vision conference. And um, I had just binged again. I had another binge. And then she picked up the phone. Mind you, I hadn't even called her since the vision conference. So that would have been, I don't know, 
getting my times messed up, but five months. And um, I started to cry on the phone. And, and again, those of you who know me, I don't cry. That is not me. And I asked her if she could take me through the steps. And I work a very disciplined um, approach um, to with step work. And she said, you know what? I'm going to have to pray about it. What? I was like, what do you mean you got to pray about it? I'm telling myself. Um, she goes, I'll call you later. And I knew that that was how I was supposed to be acting, how I used to act. Let me bring it to God. Let me petition to God. Let me talk to my sponsor. So long story short, she called me back, and I have been abstinent since that day. Um, worked, worked the steps all the way through again, right, because that's what we do. And um, I got a spiritual awakening again. It's like those spiritual tools that we have, you know, that, what does it say? I don't have the page, but it's the spiritual tools that are uh, laid out our, at our feet. What are those spiritual tools, right? Well, it's what happens to me going through the steps. It's the growth steps of 10 and 11. Um, I was living in, you know, I, I got that again, and I have it today. But how did I get there? How did I get there? Well, one, I had to go through my food plan. Um, I had to, you know, what's funny thing is there's that little deviousness. I just remember that I didn't tell my sponsor I was drinking soda. Not that it was like a conscious decision. Again, I'm still Julie. I'm still selfish. I'm still self-centered. So I gave her my food plan. We made some tweaks um, just about, you know, certain things that she wasn't clear of. I mean, she didn't get into my food. I mean, it didn't have any of my alcoholic foods. It didn't say soda. And we started working the steps. And through that step work, I got to see how out of control my life had become, how wrapped up I was into self and selfishness and self-centeredness. Um, and it's like, I, you know, talking with my sponsor, you know, having my, my fellowship that I have, you know, the, these women and men who know Julie, who know my stuff, who won't co-sign anything with me. They won't say, oh, Julie, your life is so hard. They'll, you know, I have one person that I call for my 10 steps, and she just lays into me, right? She doesn't even give me a chance. So how did I do things differently this time? Well, the key word is there is I didn't do, I didn't do it. I had surrendered to God, and I had my spiritual awakening going through the steps and God I'm God directed more times than not you know you know I'm not going to say I do everything perfectly with my food yeah my food's black and white nothing and um but I'm human and I am going to fall short so it's like I'm going to talk a little bit about step 10 because this is pretty important and it was something that um I wasn't doing because I didn't think I needed it. Why would I need it, right? I'm all spiritual. Wrong. Because I'm human and I need to. So on page 84, it says this thought brings us to step 10. So there's our thinking, right? Because my thinking gets me in trouble. It's okay to have a thought. 
it's what I do with that thought. That's when it's like, okay, I got to bring God into this because I think that thought is coming from self. And we already know Julian, self-reliance, self-centeredness, ego, pride is not good. Um, it says we continue to take personal inventory and continue to set right any new mistakes as we go along. So those are spiritual instructions. It's not something that I can do when I want to or it's when I need to. We vigorously commence this way of living as we cleaned up the past. We have entered the world of the spirit. So, you know, if I've entered the world of the spirit, I now have an awakened spirit, right? And so what does that mean? So that I know who my God is. I have a relationship with my creator. It's all about having new language, right? My, my, it's my speaking, my thinking, all of those things have been changed. I have been changed. Uh, our next function is to grow in the understanding and the effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. Continue to watch. Here we go, right? It's telling me something. So there's another spiritual discipline because I have an awakened spirit. I have to practice watching myself because it's so easy for me to say, oh, it's not a big deal. Move on. No, I have got to practice this step 10 doesn't mean that I'm going to run to the phone all the time, but I have to practice a step 10. I have to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. So the only way that I can watch for these things is for me to know what it looks like for me. Well, that's when Julie is wanting to take on a third sponsee. It's when Julie wants to, you know, do a big book um, study. It's when Julie wants to take care of her kids. It's when Julie wants to micromanage her, her employees. Um, it says, when these crop up, not if, when we ask God at once to remove them. So again, this is another practice. I That communication with God, that petition to God, the listening to God, the meditating uh, being one with God, all of these things are spiritual practices, and I will never master it. I can get closer and closer to God. I can um, improve my relationship with God through prayer and meditation, but I'll never stop growing. And then it says we discuss them with someone immediately, but remember ahead, before that, so I asked God at once to remove them. Remember, I have already entered the world of the spirit. I am living in that fourth dimension. So what does that mean? My thinking, my actions are going to be different. Selfishness and self-centeredness isn't going to be the front runner in my daily activities. So I'm going to be thinking differently. So in that relationship that I have with my creator, that I go to my altar, you know, most mornings, or I sit in a, a chair and do my um, prayer meditation, that aligns me with God. So if God didn't remove this, let's say it's just something that is nagging me, nagging me, it's still there, then I discuss it with someone immediately. And that's where I have those go-to people. You know, again, there's only like three people I do my 10 steps with because I need consistency and I need somebody who is living in the solution. I need somebody who does them through the book. You know, it's not... The book doesn't tell me to write down a whole bunch of stuff and, and have a big, you know, reason why I'm selfish, dishonest, fearful. It's very short. Um, because, again, I'm living in that fourth dimension. Sanity has returned. 
My spiritual malady has been overcome as a result of my God, not me. So for me, eight out of ten times, I don't call a fellow because, thank God, it's removed. Um, and if I did create any harms, and I can see that on my own. I can see that, like, you know, the other day um, <laughs> I was getting resentful because the planner wanted to bypass a quality function. And I asked, there was like 12 people in the email. So I reply to all. And then he replies. And then I reply. Then my my employee replied trying to see, God, Julie, are we going to not do what we've been doing? And I'm getting burned up, right? And I got to see the harm. I created so much chaos. There was like about 15 email exchanges going back and forth. So what did I do? I apologized to the planner. And I apologized to Heather for making her life miserable during all those email things. Um, you know, I got to clean up my stuff. Because though, if those things start building up again, I am going to have a crash. And it might not be food. It won't be food for a while. That's for sure. That's the last thing to go. Um, so make amends. Then we resolutely turn. So I'm going to turn my thoughts. So what kind of thoughts do I have? Well, I've entered the world of the spirit, right? I'm living in a uh, spiritual freedom. So my thoughts are going to be God-directed. So I'm going to then go help someone from a God perspective. What does God want me to do? Because my thoughts are now, for the most part, not all the time, aligned with God. They're not based on Julie, not based on ego. It's that whole God consciousness thing that, you know, we pray we get. Um, so if I'm aligned with God, then I love that saying. Somebody turned this on to me years ago. My, thy, thy will and mine be one, right? It's like I'm in this alignment. So love and tolerance of others is our code. So it doesn't have to be a program person. It could be an employee. It could be my dog. It could be my husband. I should have said my husband first before my employee and my dog. But anyway, he's probably listening, so he's probably chuckling. Um, love and tolerance of others is our code. So we have all these 10-step promises, right? And I look at my 10-step as a, a, a thermometer, a barometer. Am I doing more than one or two or three ten steps? Is my nightly review kind of filled with some resentments? It's like um, I have this engineer that I work with, and he said, <laughs> this was about three weeks ago, he showed up like four times, four days in a row. I'm resentful at tone, blah, blah, blah. And my sponsor had to say, oh, my God, that poor guy. You know, and we had to do some work around it. Because I got to see my selfishness and my dishonesty and what my fears was. And, you know, Tom hasn't been on my um, nightly review since I did that work. So it's so key that we follow those 11-step instructions. They are so clear. I don't even have to make this stuff up. When we retire at night, not the next day, not do it once in a while, um, and I have a sheet with all those questions, right? Was I resentful? Was I selfish? Was I dishonest? Was I afraid? Do I own an apology? Uh, uh, have I kept something to myself that should be discussed with someone? Uh, was I kind? What could I have done better? Was I thinking what I could do for others or packing into the stream of life? So I go and I do this nightly review to see if I have fallen short 
It's not, you know, to berate me or anything. It's like, oh, wow, here's an indication that it's been Julie reliant and not God reliant because I, I pray I never, ever fall into that relapse again because, you know, the relapse started way before I picked up the food. Um, and then I love that after making a review, we ask God's forgiveness and inquire what corrective measures should be taken. This is an action that I need to do. It's like it could be I need to take a break throughout the day. I need to go to take a walk with Clay and the dogs during the day because I've been working from home for a year, um, maybe to reconnect with someone. Um, it could be more attentive to my husband um, on awakening. Here we go. Hmm. It's pretty clear. It says, let us think about the 24 hours ahead on awakening. It doesn't say once I get up and have coffee and check Facebook and check my personal emails. That's the kind of stuff I did before. So my thinking has shifted once I become recovered. So if I am restless, irritable, and discontented each and every day, it's a remember that I am not going to God. So that's what we have to do. And we do this 11-step practice and the 10-step practice so we continue to grow. And then it says, in thinking about our day, we may face indecision. Again, it says what used to be a hunch or an occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. So that's that new thought pattern. I know I keep on saying that, but we are going to have a shift. We are promised that with the psychic, um, you know, experience that we're going to have. So if I start to move backwards in any of the step work, if I see that I need to be heard at my work meetings, if I see that I am judging somebody on an OA meeting, if I see I want to send an email, or if I send an email, that is going backwards again. And that is so huge because within a few weeks, I'm going to be into so much selfishness. It's unreal. It says we usually conclude conclude the period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown all throughout the day what our next step is to be, that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. We ask especially for freedom from self-will and careful to make no requests for ourselves. You know, we hear this, I wake up untreated, right? So upon awakening, I have to do this work. And I do pause throughout the day. It didn't come easy for me because I was so into Julie. So I put on my Apple Watch, I have reminders every couple of hours. It'll say, stop, pause, pray, turn, act. Oh, okay. Stop, pause, pray, turn to God, and act. So um, I have reminders. I can look at my nightly review to see that if I'm falling short, I can work with my sponsor. I have my spiritual sisters and brothers. Um, and so where, where am I today? Am I so just totally God-reliant and I, I'm living on this cloud? Of course not, because uh, uh, I'm human. But I don't check my son. When I know he's going out drinking, I don't check that, um, that app that tells me where he is. 50 times. I don't get into my employee's business all the time. I don't try to save my older son financially all the time. I don't ignore what it is to work at home and have my husband here um, wanting my attention sometimes. 
I fall short. Just like the other day, it's kind of funny. I, I, I have three screens. And I could be talking to a customer, I could be texting somebody, I could be reading a document. I'm kind of weird that way. And so, obviously, I was off the phone, I wasn't texting somebody, and my dog came up to me, and I'm talking to him, and like, we talked to our dogs, oh, hey, honey, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. So, Clay started to talk to me, and I said, what, 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 what? And he goes, gee whiz, I thought I had a green light to talk to my wife because you were talking to the dog. So, I had to stop, pause, pray, turn and act. I turned around on my chair, and I went up to him. I moved over to his side of the office, and I told him I loved him. And that was enough. I had that spiritual direction. So, you know, this, this is work. This is not easy. It's, it's a lot easier for me to be in control and deal with all the crap that I'm going to get from it. But I don't get a relief. So, you know, um, I do my spiritual practices. I am abstinent. I um, I work out every day, which is bizarre. I didn't do that before. And it's like, you know, it's funny. I'm flying to New Jersey tomorrow for 11 days for work. And I called to see if they had a gym because I was going to be depressed if I couldn't work out. So I need, you know, my physical workout too as, as much as my, my spiritual. Um, and the, the, I had to write the circle and the triangle in front of my big book. I hope I can read my writing. And these are kind of little reminders, right, about, you know, the mental obsession. Do I have a home group? Am I committed to, to do I do service? You know, that's the recovery, the mind, the individual. Am I um, responsible, right? Am I reaching out to those who need our help? And the spiritual malady, am I working, right, with other alcoholics, overeaters, taking them through the 12 steps? Am I practicing all the spiritual principles inside and outside? Am I restless, irritable, or discontented? I have to ask myself those questions. I have to see what the circle and the triangle stands for. You know, am I in the fellowship? Am I working with somebody? It's like somebody who I love deeply says, when's the last time you you listened to a fifth step? Oh, I just listened to a fifth step a couple weeks ago. So um, I think that's all. I think I've talked enough. <laughs> a little self-centeredness here. So um, I guess I'll just see if anybody has any questions. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing so honestly and vulnerably with all of us this morning. Thank you for so freely giving of your experience, strength, and hope. This morning's presentation, 16,534. That's 16534 for this morning's presentation. Julie's contact information will be given at the conclusion of the recording, so stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer section. You can pose a question to Julie by pressing star 1 to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Monica T. In Fort Andrea. Penny C. Penny C. Elaine C. Elaine C. Katie G. Katie G. Kathy Andrea. Jo P. Kathy Jo P. I believe. Who came in after Kathy Jo? Andrea S. Thank you. 
Okay, thus far I have Andrea B, I believe, Penny C, Elaine C, Katie G, Kathy Joe P, and Andrea S. There was someone I missed at the very beginning. Hmm, I thought so. Perhaps not. Okay. Andrea B. Star one to unmute. All right, let's move on to Penny C. Penny, star yes, one to It was Seneca T. And I was in, I'm in Fort Worth. I think you missed me. Perfect. Again. Excellent. You are correct. Go go ahead with your okay. question, Seneca. Thank okay. you. Okay. Thank you so much, Leah, and thank you so much, Julie, for um, sharing this honesty and on such a deep level. Um, my question has to do with traveling. So uh, being in different environments, um, I travel a lot, and being abstinent is so tricky. Can you share um, what you found to be successful for you um, for traveling? Like, what's your what's your recovered travel kit look like? Thanks. Sure. Um, yeah, thank you for the question. I travel, well, pre-COVID, I would travel constantly. Um, and this is my third trip um, since. So I make certain foods um, to bring with me, I freeze them just to have like enough for two or three days. And then I go to the grocery store. I always get a suite that has a full kitchen. So that I, that's a must. That's not even negotiable, right? Um, because abstinence is so important. Uh, if I am not abstinent, I can't hear God. So you can call me afterwards and I can kind of give you some pointers that I do. But it's, yeah, I mean, I can't tell you how many hundreds of flights that I've taken trips and been abstinent as long as I stay spiritually fit right but yeah call me after thank you for your question Penny C you're up may I put my name on the list what's your name Eric P Don is that correct Eric P okay excellent thank you you'll be at the end of the list thank you Penny C Go right ahead. Thank you, Leah, and thank you so much, Julie. It's wonderful to hear you. I, I really appreciate the, your talk as well. You mentioned that you do 10 steps when you realize you've been judgmental. Can you talk a little bit more about that and perhaps even give an example of how that 10th step would go? Oh, okay. So um, if I am judging somebody... Like I w- I held a certain um, service position on my um, home group meeting, and when I relinquished it, right, um, and then wasn't doing as much, I was judging people for not doing it as good as me. And when I, of course, I would have to wait till I got off the meeting, so I would call a fellow, and um, and it was just you know where was I? You know, we just go through those questions that are. Um, in the big book, you know, nothing, nothing different, right? Um, so when they crop up, so I was 
selfish, right? That's part of being selfish when I'm judging somebody. It's like I'm thinking that I'm better than them, right? So I would talk to the person and they would say what, you know, the bottom line, it came out that I had a fear. I had a fear that I wasn't the best. And if I'm not the best, nobody's going to ask me to do the job again. So I was, I would be able to come from a state of selfishness through judging and get to see that judging was um, basically a coping mechanism for me because if I could judge others, I didn't have to look at myself. And if I didn't have to look at myself, I could keep the chip on my shoulder. So I got to see, you know, the dishonesty and all that is I was afraid that I wouldn't be able to get that position. And I was afraid maybe she's going to do it better than me eventually. Right. Um, So I got to see that just with, you know, a minute conversation with somebody and I was, I was free from it. It took a while. It took a couple of 10 steps because then it would happen again. Then it would happen a month later. So, um, and I'm, yeah, it's like grateful to be free from that. And it's like, I just, I, you know, again, I call only one or well, I have three people, but specifically one person I use and um, I was able to move through it quickly. And now if I start judging somebody on the meeting, that stop, pause, pray, turn, act, I can see it right there. And then I go, I give it to God. But I'm just fearful. I'm fearful that, you know, I'm not good enough. And I go right into that, the solution. I don't know if that made sense, but. Thank you, Penny C., for your question. Elaine C., your turn, star one to unmute. Great. Hi, my name is um, the East Coast of the United States. And my question, thank you, Layla, and thank you, Julie, for your talk. Um, all the way back in the beginning, you said um, you didn't eat for nutrition. Maybe I'm not getting that right. You ate for something else, like maybe the feel of it. So I want you to um, expand on that. And then can you tell me about the list of the devilments and how that keeps you eating on, you know, in your, with your eating plan, with your, you know, your plan, your nutrition plan? So I think I was talking about that I eat for the ease and comfort, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, and that's in the big book, in the doctor's opinion. It talks about that we're restless, irritable, discontented, unless we can again experience this sense of ease and comfort, which comes at once by taking, you know, it says a few drinks. But for me, it's, it's that pressure cooker release, you know, eating um, an alcoholic food. And um, then, of course, I'm lost. As far as the bedevilment, that is on page uh, 52. I hope I got that right. No. That's weird. Obviously, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Yes, 52. Oh, thank you, dear. Yes. So I, I just look at those bedevilments and I ask myself, in abstinence, in abstinence, in sobriety, am I having trouble with personal relationships? If my husband is starting to piss me off all the time and he hadn't before, I need to look at that because that's going to drive me to eat eventually, right? Because I'm going to go for that ease and comfort. If I can't control my emotional natures, if I am getting, I want to say the B word to people at work, if Tom doesn't follow my script again and I have to babysit him one more time, if I see that happening or my husband, we share an office now that I'm home, right? 
and he'll say, wow, you were really being mean to him. It's like, oh, my God, are you kidding? Stop, right? Stop, pause, turn, pray, act, right? Well, my prey to misery and depression, if I just, like, I find myself, like, getting into that darkness around the fringe that I just want to do nothing but read to, to, you know, go into fantasy land, that is a huge red flag. Um, the feeling of uselessness and my feeling that I am just not there for everybody. Um, if I'm full of fear, it's like, you know, I had to do a fear inventory the other day because I had this huge thing I have to do for work. Um, and it's going to take about six months to do. And so here I put my superwoman hat on. It would take somebody else about a year to do it. And I've got six months to do it. And I'm, I had some fear, but I did spiritual step work with my sponsor. I've done a 10 step on it. Um, and it says we couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Was not a basic solution of these bedevilments more important than whether we could see the newsreel of lunar flights, right? So it's like go to God. So that's how I can I can use the bedevilment as a as a checkpoint, you know, um, the barometer I think I said or temperature. How is those bedevilments looking? Are they creeping up into my life? It you know it's like if the promises aren't coming, then I gotta do more work. Thanks. Thank you, Elaine. See for your question, Katie G. Hey, Leah. Good morning to both of you. Thank you both for your beautiful service. Julia, I had a question because um, I relate to you around the service thing. How how do you have discernment then? Like, so you had six sponsees. Um, how do you have discernment now? What what to like? what to do and when to do it and how much to do and your comment about you know when's the last time you've heard a fist up is great um but like if you're not able to have six sponsees how frequently can you hear a fist up that sort of thing i'd love to hear mm -hmm. um some expansion of your um spiritual process with that and thing of course thank you katie so I have two sponsees. As I said before, I, I, I work a very uh, structured and um, disciplined approach to the steps. So we have a, a, a specific way of sponsoring. So I have two sponsees. And then what I do is I take on um, somebody that I work through the steps in a, in a different, a faster way, let's just say that. Um, but before I do that, I go to God. So I, I like right now, I have um, two sponsees, but the time, um, one of them, uh, somebody who's been recovered for, and we don't talk that, you know, we talk every day, but it's it's pretty short. So I use the rest of the time and some additional time, a couple of days of work a week to work through the steps with someone else. So that's where I get that fifth step. Um, because, yeah, I, I cannot function with more than two sponsees in my, um, my, my, I don't know if I can say I have program, whatever, but, um, and then I do spiritual work on the side. So that's how I get to listen to, to more fifth steps. And it's not all the time, you know, it's going to take three or four months to get somebody through the steps. So I hope I answered your question. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Kathy Joe P., you're up. Good morning, Julie. Thank you so much for your beautiful share and for all you do for our 
family. Um, I just wanted to ask a little bit more about your 11 step and your relationship with God. Um, Mm -hmm. You had mentioned in the beginning that um, your 11 steps got skinny. And you also talked about your altar. You also said you do your 11 or your time with God right when you wake up before anything. I just want to hear an expansion of that because I'm Mm -hmm. hearing that you feel God's love. And I just want to hear more about that. Thank you. Sure. Thank you, Kathy Joe, for the question. Yes, so I have um, a meditation room where I have tons of uh, different modalities, books, cards, incense, sage, candles, um, and some other things. So I go in there and I do various different modalities, right? Because I can't do the same thing every day. It, it just... I get like a check sheet, right? And through that process, because if I don't do that upon awakening, I will already be looking at my emails, right? And I said that before, so I'm going to go to work before God, and I can't do that. So I do go grab a cup of coffee, and I sit quietly as I drink that cup of uh, coffee, and I invite God in. And I, I can just, you know, so I could be enveloped by the spirit, right? And and then I do um, some guided meditations. And then I go do something at, at my altar. You know, it, and it's not the time commitment. It's like they say when you have kids, it's, it's not how many hours you spend with your child. It's the quality. So some days it's a 10-minute process. And some days it's like, oh, my God, I've been up there for 40 minutes. Um, so, you know, if I were to take an average, you know, 20 minutes a day um, for the, upon awakening and then the, throughout the, the day is something different. And by doing that, my, my step 10s are minimal. My step 11 does show where I've been selfish, you know, my dishonest thinking, um, like, oh, my God, this engineer is never going to get his act together. Well, that's dishonest thinking. So I can write about that. So, yeah, it all starts with that relationship with God that I put on the back burner. And then there's that self, that self-reliance. I can't rely on Julie anymore because every time I rely on Julie, I make God less important. And um, we've already, through this talk, you've got to see how that ruined not only my life during relapse, but my husband, my kids, my employees, you name it. Um, So, yeah, very important, my spiritual disciplines. Thank you, Kathy Jo P. Andrea S. Star one to unmute. Good morning, Julie. Thank you so much for your share. Um, it really hit home with me. Uh, so much in common. I want to know. My question is, how do you slow down? I uh, I, I work outside of the home, thirty hours a week. I babysit my grandchildren, which are three, two, and five months old, 40 hours a week, and I have a business that I can only operate at night. I'm exhausted. I'm also balancing a mother that has cancer, a daughter that's mentally ill, and just so much else on my plate. I also have four sponsees from our sister program, and I'm just whooped, and 
I don't know how much longer I can carry the weight. I do pray and meditate every morning. I get up at 4.35 o'clock because that's the only time of the day I have to myself. And I pray and I try to give it to God. I've only been with visions for four weeks. I've been abstinent for four weeks. But I, I'm, I'm finding that if I keep up at this rate, I'm going to lose my abstinence, and God forbid I lose my sobriety. Um, I am meal prepping my meals, um, so I'm not grabbing and go, grab and go, grab and go like I used to. But, yeah, I, I could go on and on. But my question is, h- how do you slow down and how do you juggle everything that you do? Great question. Um, you know, you sounded like like how my life was, right? I, I mean, those bedevilments were living in me. I was living them. It's like, so do I still work 12 hours a day? Yes. Unfortunately, my job dictates that. Um, But I take walks during the day, right? I, you know, so when you do that, upon awakening, when I'm actually petitioning to God, I'm inviting God in to direct my thinking to give me my marching orders for the day, right? I mean, I I have a to-do list I try to do every day at the end of the day for work. And it's quite lengthy, right? And it, But I ask God to to create a to-do list for me. What has to be done today that I'm continuing to put God as my director and not me? And things had to give. Like I said, the way I sponsor, my, I don't take phone calls all day. I don't answer them. Sometimes. I can't. I used to always answer every call I got or call him back or, hey, oh, my God, I get it back to him. No, I, I don't answer the phone except for <laughs> she's probably on the line. One of my friends will call me um, as soon as the Sabbath is over, and I will always answer her. And my husband knows it's so funny. He goes, oh, is that so-and-so? I'll stop the movie. Because it's, I, you know, he's, he's okay with it, right? It's okay if, if I take calls during a movie for this person. And um, boundaries. God has given me boundaries because I don't know boundaries. And if I am not God-directed, I am going to recreate that ego, that self-reliance, that self-sufficiency that will always bring me back to the food eventually um, after I've hurt God, God knows how many people. So, you know, I had God make my to-do list because I couldn't operate the way I was. It's a train wreck waiting to happen. And it'll be a train wreck again if my life gets like that. So, you know, there's, you know, get a tight circle of people that you can talk to. Two, three, four people that are your go-to people, man, that they, 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 they saved me. Of course, God saved me first. I mean, but they're part of that, that, that God squad you hear about. Because the big book's clear what happens to us if we're not spiritually fed. So, thanks. Thank you, Andrea S., for the question. Derek P., star one to unmute. Hi, it's uh, Eric P., and thank you. And thank you for your service. And thank you, Julie, for your service. Um, 
I struggle. I appreciated your part about honesty. Um, I've always tended to be, my parents would say I was one of the most honest people they knew. This didn't mean I was perfectly honest, but um, I have a friend today who would call me scrupulously honest. Now, I've been in program 11 years, so some of that is very good to know that, but I don't think he means it as necessarily a good thing. I think he means that there are times when my honesty is not necessarily harmful, but I may be disclosing something that, that doesn't need to be disclosed. And, you know, my, I have a great sponsor who's helped me work through this, been with him the whole 10, you know, 10 and a half years I've been in program. Um, my question to you, Julie, is um, I know you've struggled at the other end of the extreme knowing, you know, saying, you know, try, not being honest enough. Um, where is your middle ground between being, you know, honest and also having um, diarrhea of the mouth, which is something I struggle with? Thank you. Great question. Yeah. So it's like I have to think about what I say before I say it. You know, is it going to be harmful? Um, am I breaking confidence? Gossiping, character assassinating. If I'm going to talk to you about Susie Q um, and, and put it like, oh, you know, I'm concerned, but I'm really character assassinating. So I had to really look at those character defects that had come alive again and, um, and pray to God, you know, to remove the character defects that stand in the way of my usefulness to him and to my fellows. You know, I couldn't say, God, get rid of my aggression or God, get rid of my um, being candid. But there's a difference with being candid and causing harms with things that I'm saying. So as we do the step work, you know, going through the step work once a year, I actually, I, I went through the steps again of course, because I had to start back to step one. And now I'm going through the steps again, and I'm, um, I'm just at the fifth step. So I, it's very important for me to, to go through the step work because even though I do a nightly review, and that's part of my growth, there are things that, that happen that, you know, I might not really see until I really do some spiritual work. So I'm going through the steps in an organized manner again, at least once to, uh, once a year to catch those things. I, I might not even have seen it before. Um, but when that judging creeps in and I want to be helpful, it's not helpful. It's just another way of me being Julie. Um, so it's stop, pause, pray, right? You know, it. it Think of, you know, it's like the, that thought life is going to be different. We're promised that our thinking is going to be changed. Our actions are going to be changed. We're not going to be anything like we were before. And, um, you know, if you haven't done the step work again in abstinence, you know, it might be something to, you know, for me, that's what I have to do to, to keep it real, to keep those steps alive. Um, because it will come back for me those things and I might not catch it. I might not see my selfishness on my nightly review if I was just trying to be helpful. But when I'm doing some deeper dive, you know, um, a four through nine on it, um, I'm going to see, see my behaviors, what they really are. Thanks. Thank you, Derek P. for the question. 
We have time for a few more questions. If you have a question for Julie, star one to unmute. I need your name, including the first letter of your last name. Margaret. Stephanie H. I got Margaret D. Stephanie H. Who did I miss there? Karen R. Karen R. And we'll take one more. Or perhaps not. Okay, Margaret D., go ahead with your question. Um, thanks, Leah. Thank you so much, Julie. Um, this has been awesome. Um, in step 11, when um, it's talked about, we usually conclude the period of meditation with the prayer about what our next step is to be and that we be given whatever we need to take care of such problems. Can you um, share your thoughts? To me, that's kind of completely disconnected. Um, so if I'm asking what I'm supposed to do, I mean, how does a problem get in there? Thanks. So, okay, I'm trying to see exactly what you're talking about. Um, so we usually conclude, yeah, yeah. We usually conclude this period of meditation with a prayer that we be shown through all the day what our next step is to be. So I just, you know, I'm already in a prayerful mode, right? I've I've been into my my prayer uh, practice for anywhere from five to eighteen twenty minutes at this time. So I'm already have tapped into the power of God. So. I just I just talk to God and say, please show me your will. I don't know. I don't even know what I say, right? It just comes. It's, you know, how can I be of service to others? How can I um, share the, you know, the power that you've given me? Whatever. I mean, again, I, I it just comes naturally. It just, and I, I don't ask for myself except for if others are going to be helped. And it's like, you know, God, please continue to help me have my spiritual experience have, have let me have my um my abstinence you know i don't pray for abstinence every day because that's been given to me by by the, the work but i thank god for it you know a prayer can be as simple as thank you right thank thanking god for what's been happening um you know I, everybody is has their own type of prayer they have their own way that they talk to God, and, and that's, you know, that's only somebody else can do that. I just know that I have to stick to those rules. I can't pray for my selfish ends. Um, I have to be shown all throughout the day what my next step is to be, and I love that when I talk to God and I say, God, please help me with my to-do list. And that could be to block out my calendar and go take a walk with my husband like I did the other day. It was like at 11 o'clock. I, I didn't have any meetings for two hours. And he goes, I'm going to go for a walk with the dogs. I go, wait, stop. I'll go with you. And he was so happy. Well, that didn't come from, you know, Julie being selfish. That came from me being, you know, God-directed. It's um, And we don't just read pages, you know, 85 or 86 through 88. We have to experience it. I used to just read it, and I can read really fast, and I got nothing from it. I thought I did. I thought I was doing, you know, it says I had to do this. Everybody told me I had to read this 
I had to be immersed in it. I have to stop when I'm reading and invite God in to see if there's any spiritual direction. You know, I could read this, what, in less than a minute? But it takes me sometimes 10 or 15 minutes to go through this because I'm stopping and I'm waiting for direction. So I hope that helped you, Margaret. Thank you, Margaret. Stephanie H., your turn. Star one to unmute, Stephanie H. Okay, hi. Um, Thank you for your share. I'm new to the program, and so I thought that um, you said that upon waking, you begin to just pray and meditate. So I'm just curious what that looks like. Is that literally laying in the bed as soon as your eyes open and then you start to immediately pray or what that process looks like. So you said yeah. you just, so are you on step one? Um, yeah, I just finished um, step one, but actually after thinking about you, just how you said that you read pretty fast, um, I want to probably read it again. I was in, in between sponsors, like finished it, and then never got a chance to do it. And then I got a new sponsor, so hopefully we'll go through it soon. So I would just, um, you know, work with your big book sponsor, right? Because step one, right, is is quite a bit of, you know, we, we go through quite a bit in the book. I mean, step one starts with the doctor's opinion and goes all the way through more about alcoholism. So there's all, you know... Step one is so key for us, right? Because if if we don't have a firm grasp on step one, then mm-hmm. we usually go back to the food. So I would just wait until you get to step 11. You know, I'm not saying that you can't pray and meditate, of course, but I would just kind of go in order. Um, I do a lot of different things when I pray and meditate. Sometimes I sit down. Sometimes I lay down. Sometimes I'm... Standing, you know, if I have one of my, um, you know, sage sticks and I'm doing some spiritual work with it, I'm standing, it's all different. I don't, I can't do the same thing every day because that just makes it too much like my childhood, you know, ABC, boom, you're done. I have to um, change it up. But I would just, um, you know, get, get a real big book sponsor that's indoctrinated in the steps and is living in the solution and they're going to guide you. And you'll be at step 11 before you know it. Indeed. Thank you, Stephanie H., for your question. Our final question comes from Karen R. Star one to unmute Karen R. Hi, my name's Karen. Um, I just had a question. I, um, you know, I'm in... (laughs) I don't know. This is, I'm trying to figure out how to ask this question. So I'm kind of new to a vision. I'm in another 12 step program. Um, I've reached out to a couple of people and um, looking for sponsorship in this vision program. And they said that I need to be abstinent for three days. So I tried last week. I was on a food program um, that had a lot of, it had a lot of sugars in it. So I stopped that program. Um, It was, Uh, like a shake program and then these drinks that you drink which had a lot of cane sugar so I was kind of detoxing from that and tried to like stop sugar altogether and it just like 
backfired on me and I've just been like binging so bad. And my question I guess to you is how, how do I abstain? Um, do all sponsors require um, sponsees to be abstinent for three days or how my, the other part of my question is how did you get abstinent the first three days? Like it's just so hard for me. Um, I, I just don't know. I don't know what to do. Okay, that's great questions. Well, first of all, I just wanted to clarify something. The vision for you meeting is a healthy big book meeting. It's not a program. It's OA that is steeped in the big book, you know, the teaching of the big book. So you can call 100 different people who attend vision for you meetings, and you're going to get 100 different types of sponsoring. Um, I don't, you know, the big book tells me I have lost the power, choice, and control. So I can't just say, oh, I'm going to be abstinent for three days and then I can call a person. It doesn't work that way for me. And the big book tells me that, you know, that's why I eat, I binge, I, uh, I have the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body. I can't control that. If I could control that, you wouldn't be hearing me talk because I would have never needed Overeaters Anonymous. So, um, Again, I would continue to talk to people, and I understand the reasoning while people will say you need three days. I don't know where the, that magical number comes from, but you need to be clear-headed to start the spiritual work. But you can start working with someone to identify what your alcoholic foods are and your food behaviors, because sugar is just, just an easy word, sugar and flour. We used to always say that. I've been in OA since 81. There's a lot of things that are not sugar and flour that are binge foods. I mean, I can eat certain nuts, but I can't eat others. Um, I can eat 0.5 ounces of something, but I can't eat 0.5 ounces of something else that's in the same food group. We all have different allergies. Um, so I would, you know, don't give up. And if you want to um, call me afterwards, or give me a little time because my husband's probably needing some attention. Um, and I can maybe direct you to some people that can maybe help you work on what your allergic foods are to help you get those three days. So when I, I was so devastated, I was, I hit that, that gift of desperation, which is ugly, horrible place. And I was just done. So how did I get abstinent? Well, one, this is where, you know, we do use the, you know, you hear the steps, Next steps. The tools are the handrails of the steps, which I just love, you know, and we do everything we, we can humanly possible to get us abstinent, but we do it with the fellowship. And if I don't have a God, I use the fellowship until I do have a God and, if, and, and I do whatever it takes. If I have to um, pray incessantly, be on the phone, text people, read, read, read just to detox. I got to do what I, I can, what's humanly possible. And um, if I have a God, invite God in. But you've got your net, get, create a fellowship that can help you through this. So hope that helped. Thank you, Karen R. Welcome to you. Thanks, everybody who posed questions this morning. And of course, thank you, Julie for spending time with us this morning. It's been so helpful to hear your personal experience and your personal insights with all of us. 
thank you for carrying a message of depth and weight this morning. Again, the share ID for today, 16,534. That's 16534. And we're going to close from page 164. You'll notice it's in a chapter entitled, A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.